Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 15 The Web of Fiction Christ, have I got a weird one for you the day? And that's saying something. It's a normal day in the shop. Reed and I are trying to clean up, organise things that just didn't want to have an order. Finn and Kronos are having a ten scammy cards as neither want to lose. The madam's upstairs doing no one knows what. Suddenly, the bell goes, and I didn't mean its usual chime. This time it's more a clang. A harsh sound that makes your teeth rattle. I'm amazed the poor bell didn't fall off, it was rung so violently. It gave me the shock of my life, and remembering the last time we had such a violent entry into the shop when Madame Anora visited, I dove behind an antique chest. When I peeked over the top to look at the door, I saw that it wasn't everyone's favourite auntie, Madame but a normal, at least normal-looking, man. We a wee bit of embarrassment, compounded by Reed's snort, a derisive laughter. I emerged from a hiding place, hoping no one else had noticed. This man, or lad, was at the very least human, as there were no blurry lines round him. What was disconcerting was the way he was bent over, hands on his knees, panting as if he'd just crossed the finishing line of the Edinburgh Marathon. He certainly looked as if he had, with red face, sweat glistening on his forehead, and chest heaving up and down as he tried to catch his breath. It didn't take him long, and the first words out of his mouth was that someone needed to help him as he thought he was going crazy. I honestly would he said he'd come in as some kind of prank if he didn't look so frantic. His man bun was dishevelled, the laces on his shoes had come undone during his sprint, and his beard looked worse for wear. I was lost for words, as was Reed, so it took the only proper adult in the room, Finn, to approach the man and ask what he meant. The unhelpful answer, said in a cracking voice, was that we wouldn't believe him if he told us and that he'd been told there was a red-haired woman here who'd be able to help him. He didn't procure a business card, a recurring theme these days, but we all knew he wouldn't be in the shop if he wasn't supposed to be. Reluctantly, I told him to follow me up the stairs, and after making some tea, all three of us sat in the front room. This lad had calmed down a wee bit, although still had the characteristic nervousness of customers who aren't sure they've made the right decision. He shifted in the sofa, picking his nails, eyeing them as if he wanted to bite them, but knew he shouldn't. He never made eye contact with the madam, and when she asked which she could help with, he didn't answer. Silence filled the room, creating an unusual yet awkward atmosphere. This was a first. Usually customers didn't need asking twice, but this one did. 
My boss reasoned that in order to help him, she needed to know what the problem was. Eventually, he snapped out of his shyness and apologised, explaining that Madame Norna looked a lot like a character out of a popular fantasy series. Dark town, dark underground, dark city, something like that. I'd never heard of it. Know that I'm a fanny fantasy. Even less so knew my life's turned into one. He continued that he read a lot of fantasy, no really bothering with anything else. And that was where the problem started. He'd been reading the latest instalment of another fantasy series he liked. I want to say Tainted Dove, Tainted Blood. And strange things had started happening. He explained that it was like he was living in this book. He got to work one day, only to see a winged beast circling overhead that looked an awful lot like one of the creatures for this book. When he arrived home the night before, there'd been a masked man, dressed all in grey, waiting to fight with him, just like some assassin or warrior in said book. The encounter had left his flat in a mess before he'd managed to escape. I've not wanted to laugh at a customer in a while, but he broke that trend. This customer definitely appeared to fit in the box a should be at a doctor rather than the shop. Then again, I've no been right once about customers like that. I suppose some people would say his problem wasn't really a problem. I bet there'd be tons of people who'd love to be in his position, living out these fantasy stories. With a completely straight face, Madame Norna asked him when it had started. I don't think he'll ever be able to act like her regarding customers' problems. Stranger still was that the customer coloured a wee bit, a pink flush on his cheeks as though he were embarrassed. Abashedly, looking every which way but at us, he confessed that it was the night after he'd become a member of a new online forum for fantasy lovers. Only, this forum was rumoured to be able to bring the stories to life. He claimed he hadn't believed it at first, and only wanted to be a member, but his flushed cheeks said otherwise. It was kind of sounding to me like he'd brought whatever he was seeing, hallucinations or something with a bit more substance, on himself. Madame Norna checked what this forum was called. Allthefantasy.net And according to the lad, it was hosted in the city somewhere. I didn't even want to know how he knew that. My boss asked if he still logged into the site, and without a blush in sight, he exclaimed that of course he did. It was quickly becoming one of the most popular fantasy forums. He can't possibly be stupid enough no to see the connection. Becomes a member of a forum where people claim books come to life. Book he's reading starts coming to life and it scares him. Yet, he continues to log on to said site. What a fucking dauber. Even I could tell him what the solution to his problem was and it didn't include me getting up and fetching something through the cabinet. As expected, the madam informed him if he wanted these apparitions to go away, he should never log on to the site again. The lad began to gape 
like a fish, opening and closing his mouth as if to speak, voice a protest, plead for there to be another way. Evidently, he realised the futility and eventually kept his mouth shut, a pitiful look of sharp disappointment weighing Duna's features. He eventually agreed with a shallow nod and left soon afterwards. I'm no sure if he'd listened to the madam's advice, if he'd be able to help himself. Turns out I'd been wrong about no having to go into the cabinet this time, as after he'd gone, I was commanded to go and fetch a dark wine-coloured velvet pouch. There wasn't much in it, for what I could feel. A few loose things, if I were to guess. Some heavier than others. It made a light scratching sound as I dropped it into my boss's hand. Curiously, I observed as she rummaged a round in this pouch and procured a wee square tile made of speckled grey marble. The corners were smooth, the surface had a glossy shine to it, and if I squinted enough, I could barely see small markings etched onto the surface, similar in style to the pendant that had been given to Reed's pal a few weeks ago. After she handed this strange tile to me, I was told to open up the wee drawer in the coffee table where I'd find a map. Opening this crispy, discoloured hang out on the table, I realised it was a very old map of the city. No dissimilar to one you'd get at a tourist's information. I tried my best to smooth out the wrinkles and grooves in the paper, but it was a losing battle. I was further instructed to place the marble tile in the centre of the map and close my eyes. Somewhat reluctantly, I did so, and heard the soft voice of my boss giving me further directions. I was to hink about this website the customer had told us about. Just imagine it. Remember what he told us. My thoughts at the time. I tried, and it wasn't hard thinking back to the customer, his dishevelled appearance when he'd come in, probably after running a marathon. I hated running. Couldn't understand why people wanted to do it for 27 miles. At least he got fed at the end, though. Or so I was told. I think the only way I'd run any distance would be free food. I heard Madame Norna's voice, noted the unusual hint of laughter, and heard as she said, that wasn't quite what we were looking for. I peeled my eyes open and looked at the map on the table in front of me. The wee marble tile was no longer in the middle, but had slid across to the other side of the city, near the university's campus. I looked closer at the street names and alleyways. I could have sworn that was where the chippy was. I gave my boss a blank stare. Concentration isn't really my thing. She just smiled at me, like a parent does a bairn who's eaten a penny. Gently, she took up the marble tile, held it in her hands for a few seconds, and then replaced it in the centre of the map. She closed her eyes, breathing rhythmically, like someone who's about to meditate. Jittery at first, then becoming more certainty itself. The marble tile began to slide over the grooves and creases of the map, 
over the streets, alleys and lanes, until it finally stopped in a party town I wasn't that familiar with. No far outside of the main centre, this area was known as a music hub, with a few decent live venues for the up-and-coming talent. A few of my pals went there a lot, but I'd never been myself. My boss opened her eyes, took a quick glance at the map, and stated that the person who ran the forum lived there, and that I was to go with Reed and try to stop them. Luckily, I was already wearing my confused face. I felt like asking her, how the hell were we supposed to do that? Was this problem really causing that much harm? Technically, the creature and grey-clothed person waiting for the lad in his flat hadn't actually hurt him. Then again, perhaps it was only a matter of time. If the madam said it had to stop, I hazarded a guess that it was. I could only nod solemnly as I folded the map back up and returned it to the drawer. As my boss was about to drop the tile back into the pouch, I asked her what the symbols were on the surface, and if they were the same as the ones on the pendant she'd gained to Reed's pal. It is an old language, only spoken by the madams. It may look foreign to you now, but in time you will also be able to read it. How old were we talking here? I mean, I thought it looked similar to whatever the ancient people of Scotland had used. But it's not like I was fluent in that either. How did I become fluent? Was there a textbook somewhere in the shop I hadn't stumbled on yet? Hopefully it'd be easier than French. I went down to the shop to collect my coat and read, having a good old laugh with Finn about the customer's wee problem and afterwards we headed to get a bus out to this party town. We eventually found the place where the tile had landed. It was a row of old tenements, made of brown stone, with large windows and even higher ceilings. In the bad old days, one of these tenements would have housed the city's poor. Nowadays they charge an arm and a leg for one flat. It left the problem of which flat... The marble tile may have been good, but it didn't tell us what button on the door buzzer to press. Reed and I looked at the buttons, and then to each other, hoping one of us would have a clever idea. When he checked that pressing all of the buzzers was out of the question, I knew there was no hope. How were we supposed to find the right flat? Could the same thing that Madame Norna did in the shop work here? Did I have to have a marble tile? There was always a chance that I randomly picked the right button to press. I may be the madam's apprentice, but even I didn't think I'm that lucky. Deciding I was going to give it a go, I held my hand out, hovering over the scratched and tarnished buttons, neighbouring blank or faded labels of who lived in which flat. I made sure my palm was roughly in the middle of the buttons and closed my eyes, thinking hard on what I'd seen Madame Norna do. I began to breathe in, out, in, out. The noise of the cars driving by and the remnants of the morning rain faded. The distant noise of the main road, of people walking by, talking, 
shouting at each other, was filtered out. I could hear the one bird sing as it hid in the bushes, sense the electronic buzzing coming through the buttons my hand was hovering over. For a moment, I thought I could even hear the sound of Reed breathing, his heart thumping impatiently in his chest. I concentrated further, back to the shop, the minute the bell had gone, the man who'd nearly knocked it off. His man bun, his trimmed beard, his embarrassment at admitting he was a member of this forum, and the hings that had been coming to life when they should have stayed on the page. A sharp electronic sound sliced through my concentration and pulled me out of my meditative silence. Suddenly everything was loud, a cacophony of chaos. Cars beeping, people running through puddles, slamming doors shut. It all rushed into my ears like water doing a plug. I moved my hand away through the buzzers and noticed one was lit up, as if someone had pressed it. Only that wasn't possible. A woman's voice started to come through, inquiring who was on the other end. I was too busy staring at my hand in amazement to notice Reed's panicked glance at me. Neither of us had thought about what we'd say. Thankfully, I pulled something out my arse, as always. I told the lassie that we were reporters for the Metro and we wanted to do an interview with the creator of one of the internet's most up-and-coming fantasy forums. To try and explain how we'd found out where she lived, I said that the website domain was registered at that address. The lassie on the other end of the buzzer was incredulous and didn't he believe us, accusing us of lying. I was about to open my mouth, reassure her, but the roaster beat me to it. He said we weren't lying, but if she didn't want to do the interview, that was fine. There were plenty of other forum admins that would. I frantically mouthed to him, asking him what he was doing. But all he did was shake his head, telling me to wait. Almost immediately an objection came from the other end, begging us to wait, and that she wanted to do the interview. A further buzzing, followed by a mechanical click, indicated that she'd opened the door to the building phrase. I threw a begrudgingly impressed glance at Reed but maintained that his wee gambit could have gone either way. The lassie's flat was on the top floor, and after trekking up four flights of dingy stone stairs, we crackling paint on the walls, we were greeted by the lassie outside of our door. She was the same height as Reed, making me feel unusually small, with dirty blonde hair raked up into a dishevelled bun, and completed the look with a cosy-looking jumper, and pyjama bottoms I'm pretty sure I own. She introduced herself as Rowan, beaming at us eagerly. After exchanging some greetings, and a false name or two, we were invited into our flat. I used to think the shop was bad, but this girl's flat was something else. Compared to her, the shop is the most ordered place in the city. There were mounds of clothes piled in corners, socks and underwear hanging through what I assumed to be radiators, but were so cloaked in clothes I wasn't sure. 
Random shoes just lay discarded on the floor, occasionally beside an odd sock. Every surface space was covered, through the wee table she had in the room to the sofa and armchair. The living room, besides the piles of clothes, looked like a second-hand computer dealership. Computer screens, laptops, hard drives and cables all battled for a space in various states of disrepair. Rowan weaved and wound our way to a sofa and offered us a seat. Reed and I both glanced quickly at each other with the same confusion. Where? Eventually I found a small bit of the sofa that wasn't covered and Reed perched on the arm behind me uncomfortably. Then the awkward silence settled in. Neither the roaster or I knew how to conduct an interview. I carelessly fumbled through my phone and opened the note app, pretending that the questions were there, when all I was looking at was my weekly shopping list. I started with a question I thought sounded appropriate and inquired when she started the website. Her face lit up and as she went into her detailed answer, I was only half listening. In the vain hope I'd see something out of the ordinary, I took a quick glance around at the hoard. It wasn't hard to imagine the shop looking like this one day, where the hings free new would be antiques. Excluding the odd piles of clothes and discarded trainers, that is. Rowan was happily telling us that she'd started the website almost half a year ago, but it had only really started gaining popularity in the previous two months. When she took a breath, Reed was quick to cut her off, bluntly admitting that we didn't actually care, and then demanding to know why she was making books come to life. I gaped at him, no quite believing he'd just come out and said it. There was another silence for a few seconds that seemed to stretch on, before Rowan voiced her own disbelief. Her eyes were watery as she stared between the both of us with confusion. I took a deep breath, deciding it was better to steer into the skid, and told her we knew what she was doing, we just didn't know how she was doing it. Confusion quickly turned to animosity. Her shoulders went tense, eyes narrowed in suspicion. And for the way her body turned, I wouldn't have been surprised if she'd bolted there and then. Instead, with an icy tone, she asked us who we were. Realising that the situation could quickly spiral out of control, I chose to take the gentler path. I mean, if she was capable of making fantasy things come to life, what else was she capable of? If she conjured things, then maybe she could unconjure us. I explained that we didn't mean her harm, but she needed to stop what she was doing as it was scaring people. Her fear was wiped away, replaced by prickly indignation. She claimed she was doing the members of the forum a favour. Wasn't it everyone's dream to experience their favourite books like they were living in them? Through books, you could experience new people, new creatures and fantastical places. So why, if she had the power to make them real, would she leave them on a page? 
Reed, with all the finesse of Tati, called her delusional and stated that she wasn't doing anyone a favour except feeding her own ego by playing at God. The anger returned in an instant. The tension rose in the room and I couldn't understand why Reed didn't share my trepidation about pissing this lassie off. Obviously, she denied being delusional and at playing God. She explained that from the posts she read on the forum by the members that had joined, that the books were their lives, a home away from home, a safe haven and escape. They all said how they'd love to be this character or that, be as strong, as intelligent, as cunning, as attractive. All wanted to experience the worlds in these books for themselves, and she was making that happen. Before Reed opened his mouth and let his belly rumble, I was quick to jump in, pointing out that although said on a forum, no everyone wanted to live in the books they loved. She couldn't go on messing with people's reality just because she thought she was helping. Everyone read for different reasons. And let's face it, some of the things in books are better left on the page. She needed to stop trying to help these people. Because if it carried on, it may turn out to be the opposite of helping. I could tell she took my words seriously. Her bottom lip began to quiver, her eyes almost unable to hold back the tears that were welling up. What good was she? She cried after a moment. I already felt out of my depth, but dealing with an existential crisis was so far beyond me I couldn't even think about what to say. What would the madam do? If this customer was in the shop, sitting on the sofa, sipping tea, what would my boss say? Honestly, I didn't think she'd say anything. She's no exactly one free again life advice. But I wasn't her. Just because this lassie couldn't terrorise the members of her forum didn't mean she was useless. She'd given them a space where they could create a community of like-minded people, where they could discuss theories and characters and events, where they could essentially live in the world these books created. I told her this, or something close, know that I think it did much good. After a while of talking, Reed and I decided to leave. A thought occurred to me when I got up to wade back through the obstacle course to the door. This lassie, whatever she was, had the power to create things free nothing. That was on an almost godlike scale. I know if I had power like that, I'd find it hard to stop, especially if I thought it was doing at least some good. No doubt there were people in this forum of hers who'd had a grand old time because of what she'd done. The other argument was if the website was only popular because of her power, if she stopped using it, would the website also grind to a halt? And if that happened, how easy would it be for her to slip back into old habits? A turn to ribbon, streaks down her cheeks free where the tears had slid, red nose free all the rubbing. As firmly as I could, I explained that if she continued to make books come to life, the next person who visited her may no be so understanding. 
The madam had all the appearances of sympathy, but I'd seen the cold streak, the icy matter-of-fact way she dealt with errant people. There were so many things in the shop, all at her disposal. I could only imagine what she'd do to stop rowing for causing more havoc. All the lassie did was nod weakly, and that was all the assurance I was going to get that she'd stop. But as I said, is power like that really so easy to give up? On the way back to the shop, I queried Reed if he knew what the lassie was and how she was bringing books to life. He answered that she was probably a conjurer. Noticing the blank look I gave him, he informed me that there are people with the power to conjure things, whether they be through the real world or a fictional one. According to him, they were quite rare. Thank Christ for that. On the other hand, how cool did that sound? Why was that lassie wasting time and scaring the shite out of people when she could be using it for her own benefit? Why not conjure money instead of a winged beast? Or a seven-bedroomed house instead of a grey-robed assassin? And the more pressing question, why couldn't I do what she did? I'd swap pressing a buzzer with my mind with conjuring whatever I wanted any day. But I suppose life isn't fair. She may have those powers, but it's no like she can use them as she pleases. And it leaves the question of if there are conjurers, then what else is there? Thank you for listening to episode 15 of The Antique Shop. Episode 16 will be released in a few weeks' time. Suddenly, the bell goes... <coughs> well, after a great start. It gave me the shock of my life. And remembering the last time we had such a violent entry into the shop when Madame Norna... Fuck. No, not Madame Norna visited, it's her shop. <laughs> oh no. What, 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 what was? What was disconcerting? Eventually, he snapped out of his shyness and apologised. Eventually he snapped out of his shyness. Eventually he snapped out of his shyness. But his shyness. His shyness. I could barely see small markings etched onto the surface. Similar in... Oh no! <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. If the madam said it had to stop, I hazarded it. I hazarded? There's a Z in there somewhere. We dirty blonde hair raked up in a dishevelled bl- blun. <laughs> dishevelled blun? What on earth is that? It's a new hairstyle I've just created. YouTube tutorial next. <laughs> in the vain hope I'd see something out of the ordinary, I took a quick, a quick, a quick glance. A thought occurred to me when I got up to wade back through the obstacle. Obstacle. <laughs> If you'd like to support Ghostly Thistle and everything we do, then please head over to our coffee account by searching for Ghostly Thistle on coffee.com and making a donation. If you'd like to get in touch with me about this show, my previous one, or anything else, then my email address is ghostly.thistle at gmail.com, or you can visit me on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Ghostly Thistle. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you tune in next time.